In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. <clears throat> Due to uh, yeah, the circumstances, we didn't introduce the readings as we go. Um, usually we do that, we introduce each reading before we read it, and so on, so that you can kind of follow along a little bit. So I'll kind of give you the very uh, brief synopsis uh, of what, what the readings were about. So this reading that we just read right now was after the birth of St. John. So St. John the Baptist is born to his parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are elderly, who in and of itself was like, you know, uh, something marvelous, something really amazing. Um, and then at his circumcision, they ask what he should be named. Uh, and they name him John. And as Zacharias says, Saint Zacharias says, don't let his name be John. His tongue is loosed. He had been mute during the entire pregnancy. And all of a sudden now he's able to speak and he speaks and he both praises God and he prophesies about John the Baptist, about his son. Um, so that's the, that's the reading that we just read now. And we see <clears throat> from the prophecy of Zacharias that there was clearly a plan for John the Baptist. Um, and we're going to talk more about that. And the summary of, 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 of what all the readings are pointing to today, for you and for me, not like the, the essence of things, the ontological meaning of the readings, but really the message God wants to give you and he wants to give me today is that you and me are here on purpose. You and me are here on purpose. God has a very specific purpose for you and for me, and a general purpose for you and for me. And we're going to discuss that general purpose, and we're briefly going to touch on, we're briefly going to discuss um, living out our, our personal purpose. Um, but... As is clear, as is so evident from, um, from the readings that St. John the Baptist was not just any child to be born, but he was a child who was born with a purpose. And you and I are also here on purpose. And Zacharias the prophet, Zacharias the priest, sorry, says very simply what that purpose is. And it's right here on the screen, on the, on, on, it's verse 79, Luke 1, 79. To grant us that we being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And were I to break down every single part um, of, uh, of this, I think it would, uh, it would take me, uh, it would take me uh, over an hour or two to just discuss what each part of those, of the, to, so what does it mean to serve him without fear? What does it mean to serve him in holiness? What does it serve, mean to serve him in righteousness? But reading this, reading this has become the purpose statement of my life. This is the purpose statement of my life. The Lord Jesus Christ was announced to the Virgin Mary, was born, was baptized, was transfigured, he lived his whole life, was crucified and suffered and died and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit. His father sent us the Holy Spirit. 
this whole life of Christ was to give us a new purpose. And here it is. And here it is. The purpose previously was to avoid hell. The purpose previously was to dodge landmines. You ever gone into a conversation and you know it's going to be like walking through a minefield, you know? And you're, you, you, you know you're some, with someone who's very difficult or someone who is, who, who you, know, who, who you know who's out there just to give you trouble, right? <clears throat> you ever been in a situation like that? Where you feel like you're just trying to dodge mines in a minefield, hidden explosives that could destroy everything, you know, just the wrong word, just the wrong reaction could, um, could have such a disastrous effect. This, this is the thinking before the work of Christ, before the life of Christ, before coming into the life of Christ. This is the thinking when God is over there and I'm over here and I'm somehow trying to get to him. I'm somehow trying to get through this life with the least collateral damage as possible. I'm afraid that many of us still live that way. We still live as if God is over there and I'm over here. And sometimes it's almost like I just need to do enough good things so I can appease the dragon and kind of just keep him away. Sometimes it's the opposite. I, I actually really need him to come and be here. And I'm trying by some means to get him to make an appearance. But I don't know really how that goes. That's the thinking before the life of Christ. After the life of Christ, the incarnation has made it clear to us that God has no desire to be separate from us. In fact, death itself is not able to separate him from us. And when we as a humanity chose to die, he said, I will come and become mortal with you. That my immortality can enter into mortality. My life can enter into death and death will be no more. And St. Athanasius sings joyfully and says, by death, death has died. By the death of Christ, death, mortality, has died and become no more. And because when light enters into darkness, everything is made light. And when life enters into death, everything is made life. And those who used to die without hope, now die with hope that they're going somewhere. But this isn't a hope which starts on my deathbed it's a hope which exists from here the here and now it's a hope from from right now from today it's a calling to live in christ so now i have entered into christ entering into the baptistry entering into the church i have entered into the life of christ so what does jesus do because i'm just going to do what he does he serves the father without fear, in holiness and righteousness, all the days of his life. All the days of the life of Christ, all he did was what the Father said. In fact, many times they accused Jesus of saying things, and he said, these aren't my words. These are, I'm just speaking to you what I heard the Father say 
to me. They accused him of doing works, certain works on the Sabbath, this and the other. He says, these are not my works. These are the works that I saw from my father. And he's telling us, everything that I do is what I saw from my father. Now, God is calling you and he's calling me into a new life where Christ is near to us. Whether we feel it or we don't, some days I feel it, some days I don't. Yes, I agree. But as an eternal truth, I know it to be true that the Lord Jesus Christ is here with me. He will not leave me under any circumstances. He will not leave me. This is the message of the Incarnation. And thus, now building upon that, Building upon that, I know I have been delivered from my enemies. And I can serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. I want to share with you a few really beautiful contemplations from the fathers about, about this kind of purposeful living. St. Ambrose says about Zacharias... He says to us, don't let any one of us be discouraged. Don't let any one of us say, I have lived a long life of disobedience. And I'm summarizing for you like the, the, the really wordy part that came before. And then I'll quote you a very short part. St. Ambrose is saying, don't let any of us be discouraged. Don't let any of us say, I have lived a long life of sin. Or I have lived a long life of wasting my life and not serving God. I have lived a long life away from God. Because even Zacharias was mute for a long time and has begun to prophesy. He has become filled with God's grace and made the suspicious people to praise him. I wish every person not to lose his confidence, not to despair when he thinks over his previous sins and that he remembers all of God's blessings. Notice something very particular. Zacharias was spoken to by the angel. He didn't believe. He became mute. Why? Because his goal, his purpose, was to praise and to prophesy as a priest. That was his, that, that was his role, to lead people in the worship of God and to prophesy, to speak the word of truth. He doubted he couldn't do it. So the angel made him mute. The moment that he obeyed God, the moment that he obeyed God and was in obedience to him, his tongue was unloosed. And he praised God and he prophesied. God has made you and me, and God has made every part of us, my tongue, my eyes, my ears, my every part of me, my intellect, for his praise, for his glory, to serve him. When I use what God has given me in not the ways that God had planned, when I use the things that God has prepared and given me in kind of, shall we say, I don't want to say, but twisted ways, or not what God had prepared for them to be used for, they become useless. The tongue that was in Zacharias' mouth no longer speaks. 
Because it was made to speak the praises of God and the word of truth. So it doesn't work anymore. Right? The moment that he comes into obedience, the moment that he affects that obedience through an, an act of obedience, not just you know a warm, fuzzy feeling in his heart, but he, he takes the tablet and writes, his name is John, his tongue is loosed. The same is true and is for you and for me. Sometimes I find my, my purpose not clear before me. I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing here. Somehow, although God is near to me, the communication between him and I has been, has been ruptured, has been distorted. All it takes is one act of obedience to begin to clear things up. So a, a word of advice from me to you from my personal life. Whenever I feel that God is not near, although I know he is near, by knowledge and faith I know he is near, but I don't feel him. Pick one act of obedience and go and do it. Pick one thing that you think God is telling you to do and go and do it. And it, oftentimes for me, I'm just speaking personally, it's something I've been avoiding for quite a long time. I've been avoiding something for a long, long time. I'll do that thing and I'll find, I'll find God's nearness all that much more revealed to me. I want to share with you a little bit about John the Baptist. John the Baptist's coming had been prophesied about a long, long time ago. When we're talking about John the Baptist today, we're not talking about some isolated character from 2,000 years ago. We're talking about you and we're talking about me. We're talking about people that God has chosen and prepared and put in a certain place at a certain time for a certain purpose. We're talking about you and we're talking about me. In Psalm 132, 17, it says, I have ordained a lamp before my anointed. We always think of Jesus as the light of the world. But this verse in the Psalm says that God has prepared a lamp to go before his anointed. The word anointed is very similar to the word chrism or chrismated is very similar to the word Christ. I have prepared a light to go before my Christ. Who is that? John the Baptist. This is in the Psalms. This is a thousand years before John the Baptist. Indeed, in the temple that Moses built, so this is uh, not temple, but the tent of meeting that Moses built and then later on in the temple, they always had one candle, one oil lamp, forgive me, burning in front of the, the, the candle stand. It was there to provide light for those who were going to the candle stand. So the, the candle stand, we say like in our midnight praises, is St. Mary, which carries the unapproachable light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a, another lampstand, just a small one, that was placed in front of it to light the way to get to the lampstand. Can you imagine 1,600 years, 1,800 years before the birth of St. John the Baptist? God was preparing the people. He was preparing the people with all of these different signs and rituals and things to, to prepare them so that when John the Baptist would come and then later on Jesus would come, 
they would know who this is and they would accept him. The same is true for you and for me. I know you may find it hard to believe. I know I find it hard to believe that God has been preparing the way before me and before you all this time. In the litany of the agriculture, the, you know, the, the seeds and the herbs and the plants of the field this year, bless them, Lord, and all of that. After the priest says the first part, the deacon says his part, the people reply, Lord, have mercy three times. The priest goes, raise them up to their measure according to your grace. Give joy to the face of the earth. And then he says, Lord, prepare it for sowing and harvesting. I remember the first time that the first liturgy that I prayed as a priest. So day one of my 40 days of training. They told us the night before, you know, the monk who's going to teach you will meet you in the church at 4.30 in the morning, chop, chop, go to bed, wake up. And so I woke up, you know, I went with the other fathers. We always show up in the church and the, the monk gave me that part to pray. And as I was praying this for the very first time as a priest, I've mumbled these words all the time with the priest who's praying as a layperson, as a deacon. But the first time that I was saying these words out loud as a priest, it struck me. We're asking God to go and prepare the land for sowing and harvesting. We're asking God that while the farmer is still asleep in his bed, Lord, before the sun has risen, you go out before him and prepare the land for sowing and for harvesting. We don't find it audacious to ask God to work while we're still in bed. The fathers didn't find that audacious. They didn't find it rude. Because they knew that it was in God's character. It was in His character to prepare the way before John the Baptist, whose job is to prepare the way before Christ. And all of these prophecies about the coming of John the Baptist are there so that when John the Baptist comes, the, the faithful who have been paying attention over generations and decades and centuries would recognize him and he would be able to do his job. God is doing the same for you and for me. He is delighted to go out and prepare the way before you for you and for me. The first reading that we read was from the book of Romans chapter 9, where St. Paul says, God chooses and order, ordains everything according to his wisdom. So Pharaoh decides that he will not obey God under any circumstances. God says, no problem, I can use that. I glorify myself above Pharaoh, and then all nations will fear this, you know, bunch of country bumpkins that are going to wander through the desert because they'll say their God triumphed over the superpower of the known world at the time. I can use Pharaoh. I can use, and it talks about Jacob and Esau and how, and so each God is prepared to use you and to use me for his glory. Now the difference between Moses and Pharaoh both of them were used for God's glory. Both of them revealed the glory of God. But when we choose to live in obedience with God, we share in that glory. When we choose to live in disobedience with God, God is still glorified, but without us. Let us, you and I, 
find find the word of God that has been spoken to us personally generally this is the my purpose the purpose of my life that I might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of my life but I also have personally a purpose given to me from God it will be found in my obedience to him it will be found in my obedience to what he has called me to today what I've been avoiding for a long time what I've been pushing and putting off in doing that I will find myself in obedience with him I'll find him glorified and him taking me with him to be glorified with him hand in hand. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.